brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Quick note before we jump into this episode, you guys, and it's a crazy fun one. Kristen Peake, our draft guru and expert, rejoins us, breaks down who the Warriors might be lucky enough to pick up in the 2020 draft and explains how that player could, might, hopefully, will vault us right back into title contention. But we got kind of screwed. So after we record that episode, before we release it today, the Warriors announced this huge D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade. And for obvious reasons, we didn't get to talk about it on the podcast because we didn't know about it. In fact, you'll even hear us uh, drop some what now seem to be terrible jokes about how uneventful the trade deadline was for Golden State. So I at least wanted to touch base on the trade now, and then next week we'll jump in with two feet and go through it with a fine-tooth comb. So here's the trade as I understand it. The Warriors bring back Andrew Wiggins, 6'8", only 23-year-old, small forward, former number one one overall pick and they also get a protected first rounder in 2021 and a second rounder in 2021 and during this episode you're going to hear why those are pretty valuable assets christian's going to tell us just how loaded that 2021 draft is um, and who the warriors gave up evans omari and d'angelo so like i said we will go through this and how i think it actually could help the warriors going forward wiggins is a pretty good player I understand the concerns. He's had some effort concerns over his career, but this year he's finally playing defense again, and he has never had the kind of spacing that the Splash Brothers are going to give him next year, and he's probably a better fit into Golden State because he's a small forward than D'Angelo was because we already had all of those guards. So I understand the upside of this trade, but I've got some concerns, and this is it. I don't know why the hell they made the trade right now. I am assuming that they could have done this during the offseason. I'm assuming that all of these D'Angelo Russell uh, moves probably still would have been on the table. And if I'm right about that, I would have preferred if Myers and company had just waited to the offseason, see if Milwaukee somehow implodes 
during the playoffs, see if the experiment in Philadelphia doesn't really work out. And then you get a chance to see if people like Antetokounmpo, people like Ben Simmons, people like Joel Embiid are available. If they are, make a move for them first or at least attempt it. And if you can't, then you pivot back to Wiggins. And by making this move now, I'm afraid they've cost themselves that type of flexibility. But like I said, we will jump into all of this next week. At least wanted to drop a couple thoughts on it. Now, I appreciate you guys. Enjoy this ep and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. With me per usual, my producer, Marcus. What's up, Deb Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, I'm excited to announce we are welcoming in our draft guru, draft expert, draft everything, Kristen Peek. She's going to give us a, uh, a look behind the curtain. It's going to say peek behind the curtain, but that just felt canned as hell. <laughs> just awful, and I, I'm sweating even having thought it, but... She's going to give us a glimpse behind the curtain at the draft picks the Warriors can make, what players are out there, really finally give us some information about the uh, offseason that we've been looking forward to so much. But before we had her in, we at least got to acknowledge we understand this is the trade deadline. As we record this right now, they've already given up Willie Colley-Stein, and it sounds like they're on the verge of giving up both Burks and Glenn Robinson III. Instead of rushing this discussion and not getting every piece of information we can out of Kristen, we're going to save trade discussion for our next pod. So we will cover all of that. Whatever shit burger move they make, I'm sure it's not going to be a blockbuster one. We will cover in spades. But for today, we're going to be focusing on the uh, on the draft alone. Before we call up Kristen, boys, have you watched any college basketball? Like, can you help? with some actual specific knowledge with Christian, or are we all going blind? I can help a little bit. I've been watching. I don't believe you, actually. Do you really have? I do. I do. All right. Well, Maxime, do you anything? Yeah, no, not at all. You, I, and the audience will all know Marcus has now signed up to have at least one or two bullet points of knowledge. If we end up with nothing and we look like assholes in front of Christian, it's on MT. With that in mind, let's give her a call. I cannot tell you how fired up I am to announce that Ree joined us in the huddle, an 11-year veteran of Yahoo Sports, where she specialized in college basketball specifically for the last half decade, an NBA draft guru who knows what players can vault the Warriors back into title contention next year, and a woman who has never met a marathon she doesn't like, Miss Kristen Peak. What's going on, Kristen? That is the greatest intro anybody has ever given me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. I would like, right when you said that, I tried to come up with a better intro. I tried to like one up it. And so far I haven't come up with anything, but I will. The next time you are on, I promise to give you an even larger hyped up intro. I like it. Can you just walk around with me all the time? And when I meet people, can you just be my hype man? And intro me that way I that love would this. really okay. really I think help the social scene let's workshop this because I'm not that tall maybe you can put me in like in a box and a necklace around your neck I don't mean you know <laughs> let's just let's think outside of the box um, and, and I won't make you do it now we've got nothing but time but I will pay you a well deserved and, and really honest compliment Kristen, I am excited to have you on today. I mean, we always are, but today specific. So let me be honest with you. 
I have spent all year telling anybody who would listen that the Warriors are going to get better for multiple reasons, right? Steph, Clay, everyone's coming back. Just you wait. But one of the main things I keep talking about, this kind of, you know, the, the diamond in the ashtray that is this season is the draft pick that they're earning. And if I'm going to be transparent, I've gone so far, Christian, when the games start, and I hope nobody's listening, I kind of hope the Warriors lose because I want the draft pick to be higher, right? But I don't know anything about college basketball. I have no idea who they're fighting to get. So I am fired up today. I finally kind of get to figure out who I've been rooting for, and you are the solution to that because you've actually watched these guys. Um, And what we're going to do is go through the specific players, but let's start nice and broad. The concept of this draft, if you listen to people out there, is that it is a, quote, weak draft class. In fact, here is a take I pulled from an article called How the Worst NBA Draft in Years Could Impact the Trade Deadline. Uh, It was from a Mr. Jeremy Wu at a Sports Illustrated. Here's the quote, quote, it's difficult to truly get a bead on large scale pessimism. But based on conversations I've had over the first two months of the season, a wide, wide range of sources across the industry seem to agree that the 2020 draft class, well, kind of sucks. Kristen, talk me off the ledge. Okay, Is that true? Are they weak? How would you describe this class? I'm sorry. It's true. This draft class, let me give you an even better idea of how bad this draft class is, okay? You said you want to know what type of players that are going to be coming up who you might get a chance to see, well, then you better start watching a lot of Georgia games because they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. They may not even make the NIT. There's only five players in the projected lottery uh, on the Yahoo Sports mock draft that are even going to make the NCAA tournament. And that (laughs) is not saying a lot about this draft class. I mean, when I meet with teams, um, when I met with a few teams for midseason meetings, there were a lot of sighs in the room and just kind of shoulder shrugs like, well, we got to pick someone. Oh, like, good. We can't just skip it. So, Perfect um, timing, Warriors. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> but I will say, if the Warriors continue to lose and secure a top three draft spot, I, I'll even go down to four. I think the kid out or the player out of um, Israel, Denny Adbija, um, is actually going to be a pleasant surprise you know a lot of people don't know about the euro kids and i got to know his agent real well and i've been watching his film and talking to some euro coaches and i think he could also be a good player so you got four spots so to look forward to. so does this mean and let me make sure i'm hearing what you're saying when we call this week is it weak because after four slots there's nobody out there so the remainder of the draft isn't even worth watching or is it weak because even if we include the four spots there's not a player who can help you make the nit in this draft uh, it's the latter. Like you think of the best college basketball player right now, and you might as well just not name anyone and go straight to LeBron James Jr., Bronny James, and Amani Bates and Mikey Williams out of high school because those three players are getting way more attention and way more eyeballs, and frankly, way more just they're playing better basketball than any college basketball that I can think of this season. So. Let me mine. Your yeah, let me mine for optimism because there I mine for pessimism, and I'm close to suicide. So let's go the other direction. Is there a zero percent chance in your mind that there are any all stars in this draft? No, there's always. You got to remember the draft is getting younger and younger, right? So you can't make the prediction there are no all stars in this draft class. But are there, is there going to be an all star in the next two, three years? No, sure. I don't see it. Okay, I understand. Um, let's make it even more unnecessarily optimistic. 
Is there even a small chance there might be a franchise player in this draft? I mean, uh, yeah, but we're not talking like a Zion Williamson, you know, who was way overhyped last year. So you're year, telling me there's a chance. Actually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's always going to be a chance. I mean, because I've seen these players play so much, I've seen them play at their best. Like, I've seen James Wiseman dominate, dominate players, and I've seen LaMelo Ball have two triple-doubles over in Australia. Like, I, I was at those games. So I'm saying, like, there are those chances. Is it probable? No. Sure. Okay. Um, I mean, all we're looking for is is possible and, and you know, the lottery ticket that comes with that word. Uh, finish out the top three. So what I want to do is we go through the top three players in your mind that can help the Warriors. So not necessarily the top three players that will go in the draft, but the top three players who will help the Warriors the most. And what I imagine, they're, they're probably synonyms, those two things, but what I imagine is it's James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, and LaMelo Ball. And I'm getting, I'm, I'm cheating. I read your mock draft, so I'm assuming those are the top three. Is, is that in fact right? Yes. Okay. Um, that's correct. Let's start with Wiseman, because that's a guy that we've been, uh, we've been talking about for a while on this show. And Christian, let me throw this at you. How long have you been scouting him? How long have you been watching this game? First time I saw James was he was still playing out of Nashville. Um, it was the summer between his sophomore and junior year in high school. So I've probably been watching him play for close to three years now. Were you there when Penny Hardaway paid him to come there? Or jokes, <laughs> don't answer that. That's I, just me. <laughs> I, I think I might have been at that event. Yeah, <laughs> sure I was. Um, give me a sense of his personality. So, I mean, obviously I want his skill set, but but start me there. Who is this kid? Do you have any, any stories that can uh, give us a sense of him? Yeah, he's um, pretty quiet, uh, loves the game of basketball. He didn't really like the politics surrounding being a top player in high school. I think he didn't expect it, and then it kind of just, like, blew up, and he had no control over it, right? You know, when your mom is a bus driver, and then all of a sudden – you're getting paid to fly around the country and not have to pay for it because, uh, quote-unquote, your team is paying for it. Um, it's a shock. And then when the recruiting battles start, you've got uh, agents or grassroots people saying, no, trying to push you here, no, we got to go here. I mean, it was probably a pretty close touch or, like, toss-up between Kentucky and Memphis. And Memphis went out because of Penny and family reasons and, and whatever, but he's – just a kid that loves to play basketball. He's a, he loves the grind. He loves to be out there and conditioning. Like I know when Memphis was going through their preseason, I saw him at the Gatorade Player of the Year Awards, um, where he was the Basketball National Player of the Year. And I was just like, "How's it going? Like your workouts are crazy." He's like, "KP, I love the grind. I love getting to know my teammates and building what we're gonna do here at Memphis." And it's sad that college basketball fans didn't get a chance to see him play, but um, I think during the pre-draft workouts, he's going to dominate, and that's probably going to solidify him in the number one or number two spot, just because there's no room for mistake. Like there, He's not going to be exposed in pre-draft workouts. He's not going to do the combine, and so I think he's going to excel, and you know, if the Warriors have a top spot, they're going to have to take him. Excel in what? Who is this guy? So, I mean, I, and I should have known. He's 7'1", 240, 19-year-old center, played for Memphis. Um, and I'm stealing all of this from your article, Christian. Uh, you also pointed yep. out he, in the three games he played, he averaged 19.7 points, 10.7 rebounds. 
um, and then ultimately ended his, his amateur career. So when you look at him, project him as a center in the NBA, what skill sets does he have? How would he help the Warriors if this is where he ended? Uh, I would say his rim protection is pretty elite. He has great timing in terms of going up and blocking shots. He's super long, um, so he can get out in the perimeter and guard if he has to. Um, his senior year of high school, he really developed his outside game, so his pick and pop. Like He can come up and pop out to the three-point line and, and knock it down if he has to, if the big doesn't come and, and try to defend it. So just a lot of – he's. For what I saw in high school and the little bit, I, I went to a couple of Memphis practices and in college, he just dominated the block. Like he was, there is no question in anybody's mind anytime you're watching him in the gym who the best player on the court was. And that was James Wiseman. Does he have enough of that killer instinct? I've, I feel like I've heard people kind of question whether enough, whether or not his drive is there, whether or not he loves the game enough and, and wants to be good enough to take that next step do, do you see that in him too I, I mean it sounds like he loves the game but does he love it enough at that next level I mean that's always the question right and I think people mistake what they mistaken him for as love of the game was uh I'm sick of the politics and I just want to choose the school do you know mm-hmm. what I mean like there's a people can try to read players and their love for the game oh he's sitting out USA basketball tryouts he must not let the, love the game well, he had a groin injury, like, you know, stuff like that. But I will say when we dropped him or we rivals.com dropped him in rankings and put, um, I think we put Vernon Carey Jr. Who's the center at Duke right now, player of the year candidate. Um, we put Vern ahead of James and then the two of them played against each other, um, at peach jam. And James just like rose to the occasion. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to show everyone in this gym who's the number one player, and, like, I'm going to go head-to-head. So he's not backing away from competition. He likes it. I think it was just all the other noise surrounding him that kind of give people that impression. When that happens, when you guys make a ratings change or something like that, and then there's a reaction on the floor, do the players ever come and give you crap about it? Like, like after that, does Wiseman ever, you know, make eye contact with you, either passive-aggressively or aggressively, and be like, I'm number one, it should have been that guy? I mean, he. I was filming the game, and I laughed at this one. He like dunked on some guy, and he looked right at me, and he's like, "I'm like that KP." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I like that." Okay, I mean, I, yeah, I, see, I that's know. Ex- I mean, and and that fits right into what Marcus is asking. You know, like if if he sees his ratings go down, and then he gets motivated by that, that's the kind of player we want. Um, last year, uh, here's your top five: Zion, uh, Morant, R.J. Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, and Darius Garland. If Wiseman was in last year's draft, would he have gone top five? Yes, 100%. He would have definitely gone above DeAndre Hunter and Darius Garland. Okay. I'm not, that's Maybe. Well, I don't think the Knicks would have taken him because they already have Mitchell Robinson. So, um, but, but yeah, definitely wise, four or five. Okay. Um, and give me a player comparison. Best case. If everything works out exactly as we would want it to for his career in the NBA, what's an NBA player that he would remind us of? I would say Chris Bosch, um, you know, kind of speaking to that, like Chris, Chris Bosch could knock down an outside shot, ran the floor very well for a guy's size. So best case scenario. And I mean, he was an all-star, so and won championships. 
So best case scenario, I would say Chris Bosh. I really wish I hadn't read you that stupid Sports Illustrated article. I'm more like right now, you can't see it. I'm smiling ear to ear. <laughs> uh, the Warriors are about to get Chris Bosh, but a little bit better. I mean, let's go. I don't know why you said the draft is weak. Chris Bosh is amazing, Kristen. So let's go. Um, but what, 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 like, I'm trying to paint a good picture, right? Because, like, what you that. guys aren't hearing are, like, he's injury prone. You know, he had a couple injuries in high school, and I don't know why he chose to sit out Memphis. I think it had to do with the NCAA and and all that. But you just don't know if all this time off, if he's not in the gym working, will he be prone to more injuries down the road? And also, his eating habits aren't so great. He told me his favorite restaurant is Baskin Robbins, which I was like, oh, is that a restaurant? <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. He's like, he's like. I asked him. I said, "What's your favorite place to eat?" And he goes, I eat at Baskin Robbins every single day. And I'm like, no, you, where's the nutritionist here? Yeah. <laughs> no, James, like you're going to have to be playing 82 games here in a couple of years. Like, let's fix this. So what I'm but hearing you say is all kids, so they don't know. the only question you really have about his career is how many MVPs he's going to earn, <laughs> which I think, which is fair. You would need a time machine to figure that out. So how the hell would you know? Christian, if you had to bet a rent payment, something that means something to you, a large amount of money, would you bet that he ever makes an all-star game during his career? Do the rising stars or no, any of that? Does no, that none of that like BS collateral crap, dude. Like not the Eric Pascal special. I mean, two time like, skills challenge oh participant. No. Uh, yeah. I mean the game. Will he ever make the all-star game? Do you say, you asked me that, but then I know the talent coming up behind him and I'm like, Oh, is he going to rock with Jonathan Kaminga? Or is he going to be like with Amani Bates kind of running the show there? Like, I, I don't know. I'll say yes, just to be optimistic. Sure, sure, he'll make an all-star. If I had a computer in front of me, I would read to you how many All-Star games Chris Bosh made. So many, Christian. So clearly he's going to make it. Okay, if, okay, all right. He's going to make it. If, uh, if the Warrior fans really wanted him, if this is the guy we want, what pick do we need to root for? I mean, like, do the Warriors need the top pick in the draft in order to get him? Will they be able to land him at three? Like, where, where do you think he'd be available? One or two. Okay. Um, That's it. He, he's not going past two. Let's cover another one. And this guy I'm really intrigued by. Uh, and it's somebody I, I wrote off immediately, probably because of his last name, because of his father, because of all the collateral crap, right? But it's uh, Lamella Ball. So 180-pound, 18-year-old, currently averaging 17, 7.5, and 7 in the Australian Professional League. Impressed a lot of people, including, including Miss Peak, uh, who wrote an article not too long ago after watching him play in New Zealand that quoted him as saying, most definitely, I'm going number one. So let me start here. Um, how long have you been watching LaMelo? Oh, man. LaMelo probably since seventh or eighth grade because he came up with older brother Alonzo. And so I've just, I mean, I've just been following that family for a very, very long time to the point when I saw, I saw LaMelo over in Australia and then I covered the Pelican Nuggets game Christmas night. And when I saw, when I saw LaMelo in Australia, he was just like, KP, what are you doing here? And he's like, thanks so much for coming over. And then I, when I saw Lonzo at Christmas, he's like, 
Were you just over in Australia with my brother? What are you doing here? (laughs) That poor family just thinks I'm going to be like following them forever. (laughs) You have no idea how jealous I am of that. I couldn't get pulled out of a lineup of one by any player (laughs) anywhere on any level. So the fact that they're like recognizing you and knowing all that stuff, I just love. Um, Baron Davis might still remember you. Okay, that's fair. Baron Davis. And run. No, we're best friends and you know nothing. (laughs) Kristen, I'll tell you my remarkably embarrassing Baron Davis story on some other podcast. Uh, but let oh, me f- I have one too. Oh, <laughs> we will trade Baron Davis stories. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Maybe at the end of this podcast. Uh, but what I was going to ask about LaMelo, so here's my perception, and it is based on nothing. It's based on nothing. I've never met him. I've watched him from afar. My perception is he'd be a little bit pompous. He's been in the spotlight his entire life. He watched his brother go number two. He watched his middle brother get pulled out, but he still, LaMelo, still succeeded. He's had nothing but success overseas basically and now he's being touted as the number one pick do we have to worry about him being pompous at all is this guy down to earth how would you explain his personality okay the way you just explained Lamelo's path to the nba is the complete opposite of the perception that i have of Lamelo and his okay. path to the nba yeah my my perception is i cannot believe he's made it against everything yeah. that he's been through. Explain like, that. We're talking about a kid who who he reclassed in eighth grade. He was he had to reclass in eighth grade. I don't know. Probably his dad made him reclass. So we he was 14 playing varsity basketball with his two older brothers so the three brothers could all play one year of high school together, right? Then his sophomore year is when, like, Lonzo blew up, so him and his brother, like, blew up, and the big baller brand happened. And here's LaMelo as a 15-year-old saying, like, what's what's going on? Why am I this huge superstar? I can't go to high school anymore. And so they pulled him, you know, as a 16-year-old, okay, we're going over to Lithuania. Can you imagine being 16, being sent over to Lithuania to play professional basketball and shoot a reality television show? I could barely go to San Francisco oh. by myself, Kristen. Like, I couldn't handle Bart at 16. <laughs> so, no, I definitely could not have done that. It's- it's unbelievable. So then it finally came back to a little bit of normalcy. Okay, we're going to put him in Fire Academy for a year um, with a family friend, Jermaine Jackson, as the head coach, who ended up going over to Australia with Lamelo um, the one year he, de- he decided to play over there. But he's not going to, like, Sydney or Melbourne or any of the big cities. He's in Illawarra, which is, like, not a nice area of Australia. So for me, it's like for a, for a player to be put in every situation that he's been put in and thrive in it against those sort of circumstances is unbelievable and I told him that I said your path has been so amazing like I can't even imagine trying to stay focused Hmm. in a hellhole like Lithuania playing in a freezing cold arena where the lighting is probably from like the 1960s Do you know what Um, I mean? Like, I I think my perception is a little different because I've known the family for so long but on the outside looking in I think your perception is more on par as to what fans think of LaMelo. And I can tell you that by all the comments on the mock draft. Sure. <laughs> questioning, right. you know, why he's the top two draft pick. Well, I, I appreciate you justifying my ignorance on that by saying it's common perception, but it's good to catch a little education <laughs> on it and let's weaponize it. Do you think that helps him? Having gone through this but succeeded, when he actually enters the league, will this kind of shady path ultimately benefit him? I think so because he's been playing against grown men and and guys that are five, six years older than him since he was 16 years old. 
So for me, I think he's the most NBA ready. And people would probably just, they're probably rolling their eyes and throwing their arms up like, oh my gosh, there's no way. He shot 30% from the field and took this many shots. But let me tell you something. I saw him take that many shots. I saw him take 28 shots in one game. And yes, he had a triple-double. He didn't make a lot of them. But those shots were right there. And they weren't the shots when you cross half court and chuck them up. They were good shots. And so for me, I don't think NBA teams are looking at the shot percentage. They're looking at the mechanics. And he has a tight handle. He's great in the pick and roll. And his shot is well better than Lonzo's. And you see somebody his age who played professionally against grown men and coming to the league and was doubted for if that translates. And it's Luka Doncic. And it, you know, obviously definitely translates. So not saying he's going to be the next Luka, but... You know, that experience definitely helps when you're playing against professionals, He's no matter where it is. Skinny as hell. So the next guy we're talking about on this list is Anthony Edwards. Here's why I bring him up. Anthony Edwards is 6'5", 225. Lomelo Ball is 6'7", 2 inches taller, 180 pounds. He's, he's 45 <laughs> pounds less. Um, but before I even follow up on that, Maxine, let me ask you this. You're a 16-year-old, and they ask you to play basketball in Lithuania. How would you have handled that? Like, do you like? Would you have been professional? Do you? Uh, let me let me change that. How many months, days, weeks before you come home with your tails between your legs, and there's just no way this is working out? Hours. We're talking hours. <laughs> oh my god. I, and like, first I, if I'm 16 and somebody asks me like, oh, we're gonna, we're all going to go play over in Lithuania, I would have to look up a map and figure out where the hell Lithuania is because at 16. There's no way I know where that place is. That's a really good Hands point. Down. Yeah, I was also terrible at geography at oh. 16, so that's I, a lose-lose. I'd look on that map and look for Sharunas Marshallonis. That's the, <laughs> like, the only clue I would have at all as to Lithuania. That wouldn't work. And I remember, Christian, and this is going to be a half-assed story because I don't remember the person who they quoted, but a while back I remember reading some article and a, a player who had gone back and forth between the NBA and playing overseas was describing the difference. And he said something along the lines of like, you can't imagine this. Like I showed up overseas for the first time. It was a rivalry game. And to get ready for it, we went out into the parking lot and sacrificed a goat, you know, and it was kind of like, what? So yes, like oh I, there's, God. there's one hell of a, uh, of a transition, but talk about burying the lead. Um, his, his <laughs> lack of size, how wiry LaMelo is. Is that a concern? I mean, he's playing against grown ass men right now in Australia. Is he getting bodied or has he been able to hold his own? No, he's super, super quick with his handle. I mean, on the defensive side, he still is, he's not too quick when you're matched up one on one, but with his length and his reach, he's able to basically like challenge any shot that goes up. Um, and he rebounds. I mean, he tries to push the ball every chance he gets. I never saw him get like knocked around. I mean, sure, and hard fouls when he was going to the hoop, but he's so crafty. It's like, and he's passing, I would say, 75% of the time. So it's not like he's trying to go and body with these guys. I think he knows his size is a little bit of a disadvantage. So he's trying to make it his advantage and not try to go to the rim every chance he gets. Will he be better than his brother, Lonzo? Who's coming into his own now. I think so. Yeah, Lonzo's well, averaging think, 12, think, 6, and 6. Yeah. So he's, he's doing well. Well, that's crazy because I've heard he's damaged goods. Think so? <laughs> no, that's just what Lavar said, and I'm actually I'm 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 curious about about that comment in the context of 
a lot of what made Lonzo so polarizing at the beginning of his career was that his dad was constantly on the sidelines, and now he's sort of receded from the spotlight a little bit. LeVar has. And I was wondering, is that because, you know, now um, Lonzo is in New Orleans, and so that's not really the same sort of spotlight? Is there any concern if the Warriors draft him that we're going to also have to deal with the LeVar Ball show? Listen, I'll tell you firsthand story. So I, when I was down there and I did my story and I asked Lamo straight up, do you think you're the number one draft pick? I said to JJ, his manager, uh, Jermaine Jackson, I said, do you mind if I reach out to LeVar for a comment? Like, I just have his son saying he's the number one draft pick. And JJ said to me, you can reach out to him, but he's sitting this one out. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. what? And I was like, no, this is LeVar. We all know, like, I- I'm just going to text him. So I text LeVar and I was like, hey, I'm over in Australia. I just sat down with Lamelo." He thinks he's the number one draft pick. Do you have a comment? And he just replies, no comment. And so I tried to bait him, which is super easy to do with LeVar. And I said, you don't think your son's the number one draft pick? Question mark. And he goes, no comment. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> he's actually going to sit this one out. <laughs> I know. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Either CAA got a hold of him and said, shut your mouth. You're going to cost your, your little boy millions of dollars. Probably Lonzo told him, like, Dad, don't say anything. I think it's a combination of, of all three and LeVar just realizing, like, you know what? Like, let me just sit behind the scenes for this one. That's right. inspirational. I mean, if LeVar can grow that much, then you know that his sons can too. <laughs> well, and, I mean, to, to add a little color to that, because, I, I, again, I'm, I'm stalking and reading your article, but it doesn't sound like he's grown a ton because you also featured the fact that he was walking a, a runway or somewhere, that they were coming out with additional big baller brand shoes and that LeVar had literally <laughs> taken the walkway to, to show everybody the brand. But that's even more encouraging given the information that, that you're providing. If LeVar is still a look at me type dude so much so that he is walking the runway somewhere with his shoes but is still hands off enough if he's learned that his boys need to have their own career then best case right he's on the outside looking in um would Lamelo have cracked last year's top five no I think he needed this year in australia to grow a little bit and get a little more meat on his bones. Oh, i got you so how about Use a time machine. Assume that he had all of the development we've seen this year, right? So this year's LaMelo somehow finds himself in last year's draft. Would he have cracked that top five? I don't think he, I don't think teams would have taken him over Darius Garland. Okay. I think yeah. maybe, maybe over Kobe White. What did Kobe go to the Bulls? Eight. Yeah. So eight, mm-hmm. nine. Um, knowing that I'm going to latch onto it far too much and really celebrate it, give me a best case player comparison. Chris Bosch? Sean Livingston. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Livingston, think pre or post? Sean Livingston have. Go ahead. I would say, right, I, I see very similar, uh, like, in terms of when they were entering the league. You know, long point guard with, with good range, can finish at the rim. Um, I'm not talking like. Later on, Sean Livingston. Yeah, I think right. I think he could be very similar to Sean. Explosive Sean Livingston. Does he make an All Star game? See, here's the thing with Melo. He is like a player that, in terms of the way he plays and sees the game, he is like no player that I've scouted for this long and seen. So, 
if he reaches his potential, which I don't even know what that is yet, like maybe in terms of like putting up numbers like Trey Young, I don't want to say he's Trey Young, but like putting up those sort of numbers, if he gets his shot to consistently fall, I think he could be an all-star. Top three guy. If, if we want him, what pick do we need? Uh, top five. Okay. Yeah. How it's yeah. it's interesting that you say Trey Young like numbers. Trey Young is clearly the first, second, and with John Collins's recent suspension, third option for the Hawks. If you have Lamelo Ball behind Clay and Steph, does he sort of wilt, or is he going to be okay taking the third string? I think he'll be okay taking the third string behind those two guys for sure, <laughs> and just trying to trying to learn and grow you know, as a player. Um, learning from them like Lamelo isn't like you said something about him being pompous I would say he's more like the pompousness comes off because he's a big jokester but his teammates loved him huh. in Australia they loved him they loved playing with him even though he took a billion shots like the difference between the shoot arounds and practices I saw with Illawarra and uh and Lamelo's team versus the NZ Breakers and RJ Hampton who's another lottery-ish pick was it was night and day it's like and that the breakers they shunned rj and they resented him for being there someone who was just going to leave them in however many months and illawarra those guys loved lamello because he didn't take himself too seriously he was lighthearted, great basketball player and he was bringing a lot of eyeballs to their team huh how was that trip? How was going on a scouting trip to New Zealand slash Australia? I mean, have you ever done that before? Is it weird watching basketball down there? Tell us about it. <laughs> I have been over there. I've been over there the last three years because um, we've had Terrence Ferguson, who's at Oklahoma City Thunder. He was playing in Adelaide for the Adelaide 36ers, so I went over to see him. And then Brian Bowen, Tugs, um, he's at the Indiana Pacers. He played for the Sydney Kings uh, last year, so... I've been over now three years in a row. I actually lived in Sydney for two years, 10 years ago. So it's an easy trip for me. I, I see friends and I'm like, okay, who's going over next? Like, who am I going to see next year? Like already anticipating that I'll be taking a trip over there. Let's close it out. Um, the last player we haven't discussed, I've already thrown you his stats. Anthony Edwards, 6'5", 225, 18-year-old guard. It's currently averaging 18.9 points per game four and a half rebounds and 3.2 assists for the apparently not even NIT bound university of Georgia. Um, let's start with my favorite run. Who could this guy be? Give me a player comparison. Um, Victor Olandipo, Dwayne Wade at the very, very, very best. Jeez. Um, uh, but more, but yeah, very, very, um, Victor Olandipo like take me the other direction. I didn't do that with the other two worst case. Who could this guy be? Worst case, gosh, uh, to say backup two guard in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Anybody, like he could, he could be anyone, yeah. Who has the highest, and I'll get back to Anthony Edwards in a minute, who has the highest floor of these three? Um, I'm, I'm saving ceiling for our last question. You know, who has the highest possibility if they go forward? But who's the safest of these three picks? Safest. I think would be probably Ant Edwards, just because there's not a lot of secrets to his game. Um, you you see his size, you see his release on his jump shot is phenomenal. Like it's almost unguardable, and he's a great defender. Like he's just all, all around faceted, like great basketball player. 
Let's talk about them then. Um, top five last year? Uh, so you say that and I'm like, I, I think I'm like, oh, DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland. No, I still think, but he, top 10, but not top five. I keep like he's s- better than Cam Reddish. Okay, I'll tell you that. I mean, but, the- oh, well, do you know what? You know what? Now that I'm thinking of it, maybe maybe uh, Cleveland would have taken him at number five last year because then they wouldn't have the problem that they have right now, which is two ball-heavy point guards yeah. trying to play combo guards. Well, so maybe they would have taken him. I keep bringing us back to that 2019 draft only because I'm, I'm trying to fight against this weak draft perception. You know, if some of the top of this draft also would have infiltrated the top of last year's draft, then, you know, that that's at least somewhat comforting, which is why I keep bringing us back. Um, to that place, but let me ask you this: How would Edwards help if the Warriors were to were to land him? What's his skill set? Why would he be pushing us back to title contention? I mean, he's another. Gosh, I mean, just another great, great size two guard. Um, he actually played football up until his freshman year in high school, and he was like five star caliber wide receiver in the state of Georgia. Like, there's an interview of him as an 11-year-old being interviewed as, like, one of the top school football players in the country at 11. That's crazy. Jesus. And then he had um, tragedy. He he had tragedy in his family when his mom and grandma both died of cancer um, within an eight-month span. And at the time, his brother was – his older brother um, was really into basketball. And so Aunt just kind of gravitated towards his older brother – he was just like, no, we're going to do this together for for mom and grandma. And he actually wears the number five because they both died on the fifth of the month. Mm. And, you know, mm. like he said, the first time he saw his brother dunk a basketball and saw, like, the high school fans go crazy, he's like, no, I'm going to do that. Yeah, and like so that. he's really just like, he's really just a very driven player who is the nicest kid um, off the court and a just bully on the court. You know what I mean? And I think right now it's not, he's not, he's not like a Cole Anthony where he gets mad and upset and whatever. And that emotion is all over in his face. He just loves the game of basketball. I like that he was a receiver, right? I mean, footwork on the basketball court and the football field, generally speaking, matches up in two different football positions, either wide receiver or cornerback, um, because, you know, you're backpedaling, all that kind of stuff. The idea that he was playing wide receiver as opposed to CB suggests he's got really good hands, um, which, you know, obviously will help him as a shooting guard. Uh, do you see this guy as a future all-star? Uh, no, I don't see it yet. Just because there's so many inconsistencies with his game right now. And like he saw, I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't expect anybody to be watching basketball, college basketball all year long like me. But in in Hawaii, in the beginning of the season at the Maui Invitational, he actually had 33 points and one half of basketball against Michigan State and had seven threes. So... You have that side of Anthony Edwards where you're like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. And then that's the greatest half of basketball I've ever seen in my life. And then you have just kind of this like roller coaster of inconsistency, Anthony Edwards, that we're seeing, seeing later on in this season as the team keeps losing. What do you put up in the second so half? It's like, do you remember? Did he have a good second half second against, half? against uh, no. Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, like, so he was. That, like, was, that, was the, that was the second half. 
Oh, gotcha. Okay. He only had yeah, he had seven points in the first half and then thirty three in the second half. I felt so smart asking you that question too, Kristen. You have no idea. You should have seen like the look on my face. I was like, Oh, this is gonna shock her how intelligent this question is. And it turns out all it proved to you is that I'm a terrible listener. So good for me. I think one of the things about this draft and why they say it's so weak is I mean, obviously the top three players are are not franchise changing players but it's also because the cliff after you get past Anthony Edwards or maybe arguably to Kristen's point Denny from Israel is just so steep that you know it's one of the reasons like the Warriors are out there mulling offers for multiple first round draft picks and they're all saying no and it's because a first round draft pick even if it's late lottery in this draft isn't very valuable Mm -hmm. so I'm sure they're asking for you know multiple first rounds and you know, future drafts next year and the following year. And those are super valuable when you have the Amani Bates and everybody coming out. So, um, you know, I think the Warriors having a legitimate shot at the top three in any of these three players is helpful, but mostly because they fit trade bait and because those players are still good enough to get, you know, other teams excited. But the cliff after that first, you know, three to four players is so dramatic that, it's just going to be tough for anybody to get any value out of it once you even get to the mid to late lottery. Where's the chasm, Kristen? Where does it happen? Is it after three? Is it after four? I mean, like, you know, if, if we're looking for, we've got to get a top X pick as Warriors, what do we want? And, and give me the strictest possible thing, right? Not, not hoping, but like these, whatever amount of players, four players, three players, two players, four these players. guys we know will have an NBA career. It, it goes four deep. At four deep, okay. I'm I'm starting to become a bigger believer in Denny. And which is um, yeah, tell I've us about him. him. So oh, Denny, he's a 19 year old, uh, plays for uh, out of Tel Aviv. Um, his Euro League stats aren't that impressive, but if you watch him or go back and watch highlights of the U20 European Championships where he won back to back years against um, Spain for Israel, he was the MVP for the entire tournament, like this guy, he, you want to talk about someone who has a fight in them after they beat Spain, he went over to the fans and like, like, you know, blew him a kiss, just like, you know, like see ya, you know, and was taunting them, was taunting these fans. And, um, so he's definitely, he's got a little bit of a dog in him. And, um, I think just again, playing in the Euro league, which is a, I mean, we talked about LaMelo playing overseas in Australia, but the EuroLeague is, like, legit. You know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. When I talked to a EuroLeague assistant, I just said, I was like, what what is Denny's game? And he said, KP, he's like Ben Simmons-ish, but he can shoot the three. He's like, you know what I mean? He's a point forward, more of the forward, but someone who can bring the ball up if necessary in, like, a fast break position and actually get to the rim. You know, he's not strictly, like, a four or five in the NBA. He's got that outside European skill set. But I wonder, I mean, even, I mean, that sounds amazing and I want to go check him out. I feel like one of the challenges for the Warriors specifically for this draft is that so many of the top players are guards and that's not what we need. You know, like LaMelo and Denny and Cole Anthony and, you know, Anthony Edwards and, you know, Maxie from Kentucky, like everybody, you go down the list and there's so guard heavy that if we don't get Wiseman, I, you know, like 
And I don't know if it's a good fit. Like, are any of those players better than D'Angelo Russell? We also don't immediately need potential. This team is built because yeah. of the, the return of the Splash Brothers to yeah. win within their championship window. Right, right. So if someone is going to come into fruition three years from now, they're not as valuable as someone who's ready to play next year, even if that ceiling three years from now is a lot higher. Um, and so that, that's another reason, I'm sure, why they're exploring the trade market to see what, you know, we're hearing Wiggins' name thrown around. There's a reason for that. Right, it's right. because these guys can contribute right now. But let's put... Um, Let's make this brass tacks. We'll put uh, the, the wheel actually to the ground here. Who has the highest upside of the four players we've talked about? Uh, James Wiseman. Okay. If you were Bob Myers, um, you're hoping for the number one pick. You don't know. What's your draft board look like? Put these guys in, in order one through four. I would go James, Denny, uh, and Edwards, Lamello. If we're ranking those four for you guys, yep. Because you got to remember, like Denny, Denny is a point forward, but he's also six nine, which is great size. Yep. You know, for kind of like a three or four, if you needed him to play that. If you had to pull one of these people out, only one to be an all star. If you're betting a significant amount of money, this is your field. You pick one. Who would it be? (sighs) See, I mean, I guess I would say Denny only because. Like I talk to his agent um, frequently, and his agent is, you know, trying to get me on board. Say he's the next Luka Doncic, and I was like, I'm not there. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. But if he has the same sort of dog in him, like Luka does, where Luka just like came over here and was just like, I'm going to, you know, show the NBA what European basketball is. Then, yeah, Denny, if he if he is as good as his agent is telling me, which is his job to do because he's trying to hype up his guy, you know, um, then sure. Denny's an all-star. And then I would go James. I'm, uh, I chuckled when you said that the agent called you to try to get Luka Doncic out of your mouth. And here's why. So Denny, I can say, how do I say this guy's last name? Uh, Avija. Avija. Here's from your article. Avija 19 is the best player to come from overseas since Luka Doncic. (laughs) And he has immense upside. Yes, I know. So you, 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 you immediately include him. The second she said that, I was like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure she threw him that bone. So uh, good no, for you. I, I would have done the exact I, same. I think I wrote that because I was like, oh, I'm going to have to send this to his agent. I better put it. Oh, I got it. Like, well, I'm not there yet. And here it is. Yeah, no, like, as, as a Warrior fan, I read that. I was like, who is this guy? Like, let's add I, Luca. Um, but I, I took us away from a very valid concern from MT. Um, and it, it, it deals with both Edwards and LaMelo Ball. The reason why D'Angelo is being widely shopped, D'Angelo was an all-star. We know exactly who he is. He's a very good player. But the reason why Warrior fans are confident we don't need him is because he duplicates what we have. We've got the Splash Brothers. Well, Edwards and Ball are both guards. So should we be worried about that? Or do these guys give things that we don't already have? Well, I mean, don't you, like, <laughs> you guys should be saying that when your two Slash brothers are out with injuries for the entire season. Like, don't you want the best players possible on your team, regardless of if they're going to be, like, replicas of the Slash brothers that were injured the entire season this year and you guys have had to sit through loss after loss after loss? Like, if you had the chance to to get LaMelo Ball and, you know, knock on wood, not saying that this would ever happen, but... Those two get hurt again, and you've got Lamelo in there yep. shooting shots, shooting lights out of that gym. 
Like, don't you, don't you want that as fans? Like, I understand the logic behind it, but the way that I see it is best player available to the top four and then five to 60, it's a toss-up. We right now, the four of us, are currently talking to a justifiably and remarkably um, entitled fan base. If you had asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have said absolutely. I, I don't anybody, anybody. I don't care if we had two people named Steph Curry. Just like, just bring them in. We need talent. But after these last five years, after a dynastic turn, I think all of us are still kind of drinking that championship Kool-Aid. We, we want next year to be another title run. We don't want this thing to start back over. And because of that, we're not just building assets you know, when, when we think about who they're bringing in, we're building a championship team. Which guy is going to come in here and push us towards um, title contention? But I hear you, and I, and I would hope that Myers would do the exact same thing. Really, you know, just all you can do is bring in talent, and then you, uh, you figure out the talent along the way. Um, Christian, last topic, maybe my favorite. This one's called Off the Court Report. And what we do really is try to steal or capitalize is a better word on our guests' uh, exposure on, on the access you guys have. So for example, as we've already learned, not just this year, but multiple years, you've traveled as far as Australia to watch draft picks. You have, have developed relationships with some of the biggest prospects out there uh, to date. And what I'd love to do for this, I'm just gonna shut up, turn the mic to you, any stories from any of your scouting trips, any of the things over the years, I know we'd love to hear. Oh man, this could go into a lot of different directions. Like you, I mean, <laughs> you want player specific or, or what? You tell me. Um, yeah, we can go player specific or embarrassing or funny or okay. entertaining. All right. I'll tell I'll tell you. I'll tell you my Steph Curry story. So um, the year after he won, uh, I think it was the first title, um, an MVP, um, he had his Steph Curry camp. And at this point, he was a new Under Armour athlete, and they were still doing it in this, like, super small gym outside of Oakland. Um, they only invited 20 players out. I think Michael Porter Jr. was there. Dennis Smith <laughs> was there. Um, and just that, that sort of high school scene. So my little nephew at the time was eight years old. He's a huge basketball fan, huge Steph Curry fan. And so I said, okay, AJ, like you can come out to Oakland. Um, you, you can meet Steph Curry, uh, but you, you can't take any pictures. And like, you just have to sit here and, and just watch. So he goes and the day before that, I knew he was going to meet Steph. I said to him, I was like, okay, make sure you thank him for letting you come to his camp Make sure you tell him congrats on winning MVP and that you think he's a really good basketball player. And so he walks up like starstruck with, you know, a marker and his jersey like, oh, my gosh, here's my idol, as most kids do. And Steph was so cool. And he's like, what's up, man? And the only thing that my nephew says is, my Aunt Kristen told me to tell you that you're really good at basketball and thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) And, And... and then he looks at me. He's like, "Really, KT?" And I was like, "Well, I kind of told him that, but not not to say not that deliverable. No, we should work on the delivery. Thanks, thanks, Steph. See you later. Like, it's like not that 
Oh, I'm a real big fan of yours, Steph. My Aunt Kristen told me to tell you. <laughs> You're a really good basketball player. That is phenomenal. And I, um, when you said player-specific, the first name that should have jumped to my mind was Baron Davis. Give us your Baron Davis story. Oh, my gosh. You're going to love this. Okay. So, um, Baron, I've met him once. He follows me on Twitter. That's the extent of our relationship, right? I don't know him. We're not cool. But we were chasing this story. Um, we were doing a, a thing on Sierra Canyon, and the guy that was writing it, my coworker, said, Kristen, I heard this story that at a Crossroads game when Bronny was playing, um, Baron J- Davis tried to approach LeBron James, and he got turned away by his security. And so he couldn't even say what's up to LeBron <laughs> at a middle school basketball game. And I was like, that is amazing. And they're like, but we're not going to print it. It's just hearsay. And I said, oh, no, I'll, I'll fact check with Baron. So I, like, DM him. And I said, hey, Baron, um, <laughs> we not even expecting an answer. I was like, hey, we've met once before. Um, I work in grassroots basketball. We're doing a story on Sierra Canyon. And I wanted to run a story by you if this happened or not. And I said, did you try to approach LeBron at his son's basketball game and you got turned away by his security? And he answered, he's like, man, He's like, no, that never happened. You know, this, write what you want. And then he immediately unfollowed me. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not writing. (laughs) I was like, I'm not writing it. I'm just fact checking. That's what I do as a journalist. And I said, but cool. Nice. Nice. Thanks for the follow for all those years. Appreciate you. (laughs) Please tell me you wrote the story. Please, please tell me if I Google right now. (laughs) He said it didn't happen, but I I can't, I'll, I'll, screenshot my uh my dm that i had with him man now i want to look it up word for word and see what he said because it was hilarious um can you tell me your baron davis story i i will um i'm a little embarrassed by it and for those who heard it on patreon last week my apologies but i'm going to take us back in time christian this is uh this is right after the we believe year right so i'm i'm a huge warriors fan The Baron is on the Warriors. And in fact, my favorite team has just completed this first round sweep of Dallas and I'm all fired up and I'm in LAX and I'm taking a Southwest flight. And at that point, they still had the boarding groups, A, B, and C, but they didn't have the specific numbers. You would just show up. And I am the first person in boarding group B. Baron Davis is the last person in boarding group A. So I see him and think to myself immediately, if there's a seat next to Baron Davis, I am definitely (laughs) taking that, right? So everybody boards, I get on, and Baron is seated at the window, there is a seat in the middle, and then there's this humongous uh, Samoan dude who's sitting on the aisle. And I I assume it's his bodyguard or something. And so even though there's a seat between them, this Samoan dude is so gigantic that Baron's knee and the Samoan dude's knee are touching. There's like no space at all in between. doesn't discourage me in any way. I sneak my fat ass past the Samoan guy and then squeeze into the seat between them. Look oh. over, okay, look over at Baron and I go, Baron Davis? And I pretend like I'm suddenly shocked to see him. And he, uh, he, he makes eye contact with me and I fire off this desperate attempt at a joke and ask him, you know, what are you doing on Southwest? Wouldn't you prefer be on an airline that has first class? And he says on Southwest, every seat is first class. And I'm not sure if he's laughing, or I'm sorry, I'm not sure if he's joking. So just in case I go, ah, louder than anyone's ever heard ever. And he, like, people around me are, like, dropping their drinks. They're super shocked at this inappropriate noise I've made. 
And so I spend the rest of the flight desperately trying to become best friends with Baron. And somewhere along the line, like I'm kind of successful, I think. And he stands up and he goes, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. And trying to capitalize on this new, you know, found best friendship, I try to make a joke. And I say, I'm a huge Warrior fan, but I'm not going to let you piss on me. And I think something gets lost in oh, translation. No. And what he hears is, I'm a huge Warrior fan. You can just piss on me. <laughs> and so he, he goes by me, comes back, and fake sleeps for the rest of the flight. Like, I mean, we had like 45 minutes, and he just put his head on that window. and keep. I'm really lucky that the Samoan dude didn't throw me into the aisle after my piss comment. So anyways, the short version of the story is Baron and I are best friends um i was at that game when we went to go try to say hi to lebron and they wouldn't let us come over there i have no idea why uh but you know we we all have those moments where our interactions don't go the exact way we'd wanted them to i mean mine i think i told you guys this mine came when i finally got to meet kevin durant he gave me a hug and when he went to let go i was still holding on so it was like the lingering hug here, you know what? I did hear that, but I'm so glad you said that name because I've got something to give you crap about, Christian. The last time we recorded, I had to leave early. Here's why I remember that. Marcus took over hosting duties, and one of the questions he asked you, one of the, the final questions was, if you could go on a road trip with anybody, anybody on earth, who would you want to go with? And you said, uh, Durant. And when I listened yes. to that in my car, I was like, what? How would you ever decide where you were going? He would be like, we're going to San Francisco. No, Washington. No, Miami. No, we're going to Portland. No, I love it here. No, I'm bringing my friends. No, I'm not bringing my friends. I, I have no idea how you guys would have decided to go anywhere. It would have been a nightmare trip, and I've been waiting months to give you crap about that. So we're finally here. I finally got to bring it up. Hooray. I mean, you are not wrong in anything you just said. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. All right. First time anyone has ever said something about me not being wrong about what I've said. So I will take it and run. Christian. We have taken way too much of your time, and you are, forgive my language, f***ing awesome. Um, I am positive that I'm not the only person out there who needs more KP in their life. Where should they go? Where can we find your work? Uh, you can read my stuff on Yahoo Sports, uh, on the college basketball, on the NBA little tab there. You can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Peak or Instagram. I post a lot of videos on these young players coming up so if you're still depressed about this year's draft don't worry next year's draft is much much better and the year after this so, year has chris bosh and Dwayne wade at the top of it and i don't Luka okay i mean what are you talking about it's like one of the the greatest drafts of all time Kristen. we appreciate you we we cannot wait to have you back on you know what i'm sorry there's one more thing I need to get off my chest about this trade with Minnesota, and it's something I feel so fervently that I cannot wait until next week. Why the hell did we include Omari in this deal? I can understand Lake and Co. trading all these players to get us under the tax the one year we're not making the playoffs. I can understand accumulating picks for next year's draft because, as KP just told us, it's looking like it's going to be a good one. And I can even understand how Andrew Wiggins might be a better fit than D'Angelo with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. That's all fine. But why you gotta go and trade my boy Omari? If the reports were true that the Warriors were holding out because Minnesota wasn't putting together good enough offers, then I cannot get behind any justification of using Spellman to sweeten the pot. And if it's about getting us under the tax, then why not give him Jordan Poole instead? Look, 
In the doldrums of this season, Omari was a bright point and a player in person that as fans, we've invested a lot of energy in. I think he has a bright future in this league and might have helped us out as Draymond ages into the other side of his prime. So I'll leave it at this. Omari Spellman, we love you, we're going to miss you, and we wish you the best. Bob Myers, you better have some sick-ass moves this offseason to justify this, because right now I'm feeling the sting of losing my favorite young player without a discernible reason. All right. Without further ado... On our side, you guys know where to find us. Our Twitter account is at Warriors Huddle. Our Gmail account continues to unprofessionally be uh, Warriors Huddle at gmail.com. We have a Patreon uh, account out there if you want to support us. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.